Good morning. Hey, good morning. it's good to be back. I've been around, but I haven't been in the pulpit for a long time, and it's been a nice break, so thanks, everybody. What do you think about our new baptismal? It's, uh, it's on wheels right now, but um, we, we bought it a couple months ago, and Gordon Lindstrom just put siding on it this week and a couple of handles so we can haul it in and out. And initially, we, I was going to put it like right here, straight pointing out the middle, but it looked like a coffin. And, and people might get the wrong idea, you know, so that's not going to work. So what, I just want you to walk by, take a look at it later on this morning when, before you leave. And uh, it's just a beautiful thing. And we, we got that because we've never had a baptismal of our own. We've rented inflatable ones. We've rented the pool at Lindbergh. Um, but we believe strongly that every believer, once they receive Christ, needs to be baptized in water. So we're going to start doing this on a regular basis throughout the year. So um, if that's you, put that in your brain. When you see the sign-up coming along, um, get ready to sign up, and uh, it's going to be awesome. And uh, people are asking practical questions like, how do you get in? Well, we have a hoist that we're going to mount. <laughs> and uh, not really. Actually, it's, it's, not quite, it's not quite that high once you set it down. But uh, Kevin and I are going to build a box, little box of stairs right here, and it will be facing this way on those baptism Sundays. And there's a step right down into it. It's only about this high, so you'll be able to step right over. So, yes. Actually, a vision of a coffin right here. Yes. This is pretty accurate because when you, when you are baptized, you're buried in not bad. Wow, it's exactly true. It is true. Dead to sin, dead with Christ, and raised from the dead to new life. That's wonderful. I remember my second baptism. My first one was uh, kind of a private deal. I was in my uh, friend's swimming pool at their apartments. It was Bill's parents, and uh, Bill baptized me, Bill Collins. And then uh, several years later, I, I moved up here to the Northwest, and and uh, they were having a baptism at our church, but that was going to be very public. And I had never done like a public baptism. And it really occurred to me that I needed to do it again because I had so much pride and just so much did not look like a drowned rat coming out of the water in front of all my friends whom I thought were really, you know, admired me for being whatever it was. And the Lord said, that's the very reason you need to do this again. You need to humble yourself, Alex, and you need to be broken of that and that fear of man. So I got baptized again in front of all my church buddies. We were all about the same age, all those baby boomers before we got married, you know, back in our 20s and 30s. And it was a powerful experience. I really, really encourage you, if you haven't been baptized yet, since you've received Christ, uh, sign up next time we do it. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's time for change. That's what, what baptism's all about. It's, um, it was a new beginning for me. And uh, you know, this is the time of year when new beginnings and changes are taking place all over the map. I mean, the, the seasons are changing. Um, it's school. That's a change for some of you. You've got young kids at home. It's probably a relief for some of you. That's a nice change. Um, you might be newly married or uh, you might be in a new job. You might have a new kid on the way. You might have... There's all kinds of changes that are taking place constantly all around us. You might be faced with a brand new challenge, something that's difficult that you weren't expecting. Because God is about pulling us forward. Have you noticed that? Ever since the fall of man, it's kind of like God's primary agenda item is just to pull us out of the pit. Forward, forward, grow, change, grow, change, grow, change. The problem is we don't like change that much. 
at least not most of us. Some do, but most of us don't because it's always pulling us into unknown territory, things we've never done before, places we've never been, and we don't feel very good at it. And so it's really uh, understandable why we resist sometimes. But God is committed to pulling us out of darkness into light. That's his agenda. He's always committed to pulling us out of childishness into maturity. He's always committed to pulling us out of complacency into action, out of self-centeredness into other-centeredness. And that's a constant struggle for him and constant struggle for us. But that's his agenda, and we need to just get used to it. And so when I say things like, hey, it's time for change. Oh, I love that little frog. Isn't that cute? A little suitcase. I'm not sure where he's going, but it's somewhere new. <laughs> we have to get used to the fact that it's really always time for change. It's year-round. So these next three Sundays, um, I'm going to be sharing about some new changes around here and uh, things that not only God is doing in our personal lives, but also in our, in our church life. And uh, this morning, we're going to, um, I'm going to introduce our new logo and our new mission statement. Um, next Sunday, we're going to uh, introduce you to a brand new appointment on staff here at RCC. And then the following Sunday, we'll be introducing a, uh, one of our local community leaders We'll be here to share with you about some new opportunities. So it's going to be an exciting time. I like fall because fall is kind of like the beginning of the church season. You know, it's like, rah, 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 everybody. It's in between now and New Year's, it's kind of just full-on burnout for Jesus, right? <laughs> but it's all good stuff. And it's an exciting time of year. And then we try to recover in January. And I want to use uh, one of our favorite friends, Joseph, in the Bible, is, is one of the examples that uh, experienced a whole lot of changes in his life, and, and things did not go the direction he expected at first. And afterwards, the changes that God was working into his life were far beyond his wildest expectations. And I really think the whole theme of Joseph's life, at least early on, is about accepting the fact that we don't have a clue what he's doing. And it seems so anti-productive, counterproductive, counterintuitive to what we've been sensing all our lives we're going to be like. But then we see God come through in the final outcome. So let's take a look in Genesis chapter, what is it, chapter 40. The story of Joseph later on, once he's been delivered by his brothers to some traveling uh, merchants through the desert and then dropped off at the home of a man named Potiphar in Egypt. And Potiphar's wife had a thing for Joseph, and so she tried to trick him into an affair. He refused. He ran out of the house, and she screamed that she had just been raped and accused him. And so Potiphar, of course, was incredibly angry, threw him into prison. So here he is now in the dungeon of the palace of the king of Egypt. Sometime later, after that all happened, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. After they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, boy, those job titles keep popping up. Like, we've got to remind everybody who they are, man. They, uh, pretty high up there had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, why are your faces so sad today? 
We both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He said to him, In my dream I saw a vine in front of me, and on the vine were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed, and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and put the cup in his hand. This is what it means, Joseph said to him. The three branches are three, da- three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. For I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon." The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. That was only three days. That's talking about short-term memory. Anybody suffer from short-term memory loss? Wow. <laughs> Ken said, what was the question? <laughs> well, I think like, like Joseph, we have to uh, just kind of follow some of the details. While he's in a place that he never expected to be, it didn't deserve to be, um, he's still kind of adhering to the kind of the micro-movement of what God is up to. He, he's, not, he's not pushing back. He's just kind of going along with what apparently is the plan that he never intended and he really didn't know that God was using for some future blessing. So one of the first things that, that he did, like we need to do, is we need to accept our God-given assignment. We just have to accept it. Whatever that happens to be, whatever station in life, whoever you happen to be married to, whatever children happen to be in your household. You know those short people? You know those guys? Yeah. We have to just accept it. Look at what Joseph, how he responded to the assignment he was given. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and what did he do? He just followed through. It's my job. I'm going to take care of the cupbearer, and I'm going to take care of the baker. And in fact, he did such a great job, he was elevated. And uh, the palace guard said, man, you're, you should be the manager of this place. It's a really simple assignment, well within Joseph's capabilities, but it could have been treated as something as if it were beneath him. Like, A, I don't belong here. B, I'm pushing back, and I'm not doing anything you ask me. You don't deserve submission. You don't deserve a humble response. You don't deserve me. And neither do they. But he didn't. He just accepted it and just did everything he could to take care of those two men while they were in prison. You know, our church has been given an assignment as well. And um, I remember back in... 80s, 90s perhaps, Pam and I were at a funeral of a, a longtime friend who had passed away, went to be with the Lord, and uh, I remember sitting in this massive auditorium. He had hundreds of friends that he ministered to, and uh, I remember sitting there going, I, I just, this can't be my life. This just can't be my life. As a pastor, I just can't, I can't do this anymore. It's, I'm so tired of the same old, same life. I mean, literally, I had these thoughts. I wrote them down. I shared them with my wife. Honey, I just can't do this anymore. I mean, it seems like all I do is I have this little shepherd's staff, and all I do is have sheep passing under my little wand, and I bless them, and they go on. And this is all I ever do. That's how it feels. I'm just like a little machine. It could be a robot. It could be anything. That's, it feels so meaningless, so purposeless. There's no, there's no drama. There's no, like, excitement. There's no, like, Wow going on. And I literally said to her, I think I'm going to start looking for something else. 
And, and I'd been a pastor for probably 10 years or so, maybe 15. And, and I just was so totally bored with it all. I could not see the fruit. I could not see. There was no adventure for me. I mean, I'm, a, I'm an adrenaline addict, and I need to have excitement. And when I was younger, it was even worse. And so I just go, I don't know, Lord, if this is even you. And finally, the Lord said, you know what? It took a period of weeks just praying through this. He said, Alex, I don't want you to be a pastor either, at least not that kind of pastor. Where you take my call in your life lightly as if it's nothing, where you act as if you're not making any dent in anybody's life, as if there's something greater and grander that you deserve. I'll tell you, that was the beginning of a whole new season. He said, I want you to just be a different kind of pastor where you engage with me and engage with these people. I brought them to you to care for them. Accept your assignment. It didn't change my job description, but it sure changed me. And I can tell you, if you and I will just stop resisting some of those mundane things that the Lord has put before us that we think we're above and beyond and shouldn't be having to do still, um, and we accept, I really know the Spirit of God just brings blessing. And suddenly, the thing that seems so boring and mundane becomes a treasure. It could be your job at work. You might be a career person on the job and just kind of going, huh. Accept it. Until he says you're done here, there are assignments within that 40-hour work week that God still wants us to fulfill. Can I hear an amen to that? Amen. I love what Paul says in Colossians. I think I skipped a verse or it got moved. Oh, no, no, no. No, this is the time. Nothing happened. Everything was perfect. This is actually the time for me to share with you uh, the new theme for our church. We've accepted an assignment, and I've accepted my assignment here until God calls me on to something else. And you remember our former theme, mission statement, has been love, men, train, send. If you come to church here, you're going to get loved, mended, trained, and sent by Christ through those around you. Nice, wonderful, still worthwhile. We're not abandoning that. But something God said he wanted to do is just kind of refresh simplify and refresh your assignments so that it's easier to broadcast, easier to talk about with one another, and kind of easier to, to stay on track with when you're leading a new group or seeing if this idea fits, if that ministry idea fits. And so the new simple theme is connecting with God in community. Connecting with God. Everything has to be vertical first. If we're just doing community, well, there's no power there, Right? And we don't need to just know about God. We need to connect with him. His spirit needs to live in us. And we need to put our lives in him. There has to be a true connection with God. And there's a hundred different ways we can do that, right? Through worship, through the word, through fellowship, praying for one another, even through serving, and even the mundane things of the kingdom. But we can't do it alone. We have to do this all in community because we need each other. We can't say, hey, I don't need church, man. I can go see or worship God in the forest, at the beach, or anywhere else, or on a jog. No, you can't be a complete Christian without the rest of the body of Christ. So we need to connect with God, and we need to stay in community to serve one another, to serve our world, to serve those hungry kids across the street, and to serve everybody that God brings into our lives in community, as groups. Jesus sent them out two by two, correct? Simple statement. It's not jazzy. It's not sexy. It's not like the latest and greatest, but it's clear. This is what we're all going to be about for as long as we're here, at least as long as I'm here. When I leave, you can change it. It's okay. I'm not going to own this. All right. 
Now, the verse I was talking about is the one in uh, Colossians 3.22, where Paul says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. I noticed that Paul didn't say, Masters, give up your slaves. Abandon slavery altogether. Do you know why? Because slavery that we experienced here in the early days of America are nothing like slavery in those days. They were employees. They were well cared for. They were well fed. And, and masters were punished when they didn't take good care of their slaves. They were, they were not possessions. They were employees. And many of them were working out of their slavery like an indentured servant so they could eventually have their own land and buy their own home. So uh, Paul didn't say, hey, abolish slavery. He said, look, take care of those that you do have. And if you are a slave, serve as if you're serving Jesus. And that's what you and I are called to do as well. Accept our God-given assignment. Second thing from Joseph's life, um, we need to know our source well, God. I am fascinated that when these guys said, oh man, we had these dreams and they're just making us so bummed out. We're just like, we don't know what to do. We're kind of sad. We're dejected. We're freaking out. And what's interesting is Joseph instantly said, tell them to me. Come on, come on, just tell me, tell me, tell me. It's like he didn't even question, like, let me go pray and fast about it and find out if I can get something for you, you know? And if I can't, I'll make something up. <laughs> he didn't do that. He said, look, tell me your dream. God interprets them. All interpretation belongs to God as if there was an automatic assumption that God was going to speak to him. I think that's amazing. That's a lot of confidence. That's pretty gutsy Christianity. Um, I undoubtedly... Joseph had a unique gift. And uh, when we read the early days of his life, when he would have dreams about himself and his brothers and his dad and, and all the things that were going to come down the road, I mean, he just had this crazy connection with the, the Spirit of God where he just could see clear visions that all, by the way, happened to come true about his future. But you and I, we may not have that exact gift, but we certainly do have others. We certainly do have the same Holy Spirit. In fact, we have more of the Holy Spirit in us because of Christ than who Joseph did. He was kind of an outside counselor. Right now, for us, he's an interior counselor. We have the same opportunity to be confident that God is going to speak, that God's going to use us, that, that we have answers. Or even if we, if we don't have the same immediate kind of, oh, talk to me and I'll tell you what God's saying. It may take a week or two or a month to pray, but God will speak. You will hear his voice. You are his sheep. The Holy Spirit does counsel and advise. He is the spirit of truth. And he leads his people into all truth. In fact, I love Jesus said it so clearly. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. I find it fascinating. He didn't say, if you pray. Interesting. He didn't say, if you ask. He didn't say, if you research it. If you study it. If you get all the wise counsel in the world. He said, you know what? Even if you don't do any of those things, I will lead you into all truth. Isn't that something? I will because I'm committed. Like I said, God's agenda is to pull us out of darkness and into light. That's his agenda, whether we like it or not. And when we voted yes for Jesus and said, Lord, take over my life, guess what? That came with it. That's not optional. So we can be confident. The Lord will just show me what to do. I just have no idea right now. Change is challenging. Change is hard. And I've never been here before, but I'm confident, God will lead me into all truth. I will get it when I need to get it. Speaking of simplifying and uh, leading us into all truth, one of the things that, that we've also done is um, 
I asked the team of our media people to, to come up with a new logo. So Anna Garcia led that team, and she's going to introduce that to us. Everybody say, hi, Anna. Hi, You know, want me to click it for you when you're ready? Okay, I'll do that. Also, thank you, something that complemented our new inside decor with all the barn wood and kind of the new muted tones. So uh, we reviewed a lot of different designs. And we had a lot of conversations about what really <laughs> represented us as a body and how we could convey our desire for connection and for community. And here is our finished design. Yay! <laughs> so the reason that we chose the circle is because it is a symbol of ongoing connection and community. It shows a completeness, which is who we are in Christ. So that when we look at this logo, we see a group of people. We see RCC. We see Renton Christian Center who are complete in Christ and who desire to share and make a connection with their community, both here in the church and in our day-to-day -day lives. Um, there's also been some conversations about the actual design of the circle and what it looks like to each person. My personal take is it looks like a coffee cup ring. <laughs> I say that's because I have kiddos that like to get up at 5.30 in the morning and I just think about coffee a lot. So <laughs> but also it says to me, come as you are. Uh, you don't have to have this figured out. Uh, bring your coffee, wear your jeans, just come. Connect with God, connect with us, and let's do this together. Mentioned it's uh, it's not super fancy, but it's simple. It's memorable, and uh, we just needed. A, it was time for a refresh. So, if we know our source well, and we know why He's put us here, we've accepted our assignment, and we want to move on. Part of the reason we came up with this this new phrase is because it doesn't really talk about community. And one of the things that Joseph demonstrates for us is that he also knew he couldn't go it alone. Remember when he shared that dream, he said, by the way, this just saved your life. Um, please tell Pharaoh about me. Please help me out. Please don't forget me. Please remember me. I just need help. Just because God miraculously revealed to me the interpretation for your dream does not mean I can just somehow walk out of this prison. I need your help. Do I have God's help? Of course I do. Could he break the barriers down and let me walk out? He could, of course. But I need your help, Mr. Cupbearer. Would you please do whatever you can? Just put in a good word for me. I really find it um, interesting that Joseph didn't make a deal with a cupbearer. He didn't say, hey, if you can get me out of here, I'll give you the interpretation. Notice. He didn't say, hey, if you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. He just served, he gave his life away, he gave what he had, he was generous, and then he just made a request. They were really unattached. I mean, there may have been some motivation. I would have been motivated by the cupbearer to want to help my buddy out here. But there was no tit for tat, there was no covenant, no agreement, no contract. It's just a simple request. I uh, have been working on a retaining wall at my house. Uh, it's about 42 feet long and about three or four feet high. And I tear down the old cinder blocks and I'm putting in new blocks and they're very heavy. They weigh about 60 or 70 pounds a piece. 
So anyway, I started in February, and I'm almost done. That's what you call inch by inch, everything's a cinch. Little by little. And so uh, early on, several of my friends and family members, Avon and Marcelo, said, hey, if you ever need help, just give me a call. Months ago. And, and a couple times, you know, we've been able to work together. Well, yesterday was one of those days where I just fried. I'm just so done. I had to load all the blocks on pallets at the top of our hill, wheelbarrow down two at a time. That's all I could handle. Down our hill in our backyard, across the back of our house, down the little skinny brick sidewalk, and over to where the retaining wall was. That was um, 120 of those altogether. And I was just toast yesterday. I go, I just can't do this anymore. And I think it was the Lord. He said, ask for help. No, I don't want to. <laughs> no, I just hate talking to people, especially on Saturday morning. I just want to be alone, just have some time. Ask for help. It was so hard, I got to tell you. But I texted Marcelo. He lives right across the street. He was there in 15 minutes. It took him little, under 30 minutes to lo- unload an entire pallet of blocks. It would have taken me two hours or two days. And then he went home. I'm 30 minutes, and, he was, and he's not even sweating. And I'm... <laughs> And I'm thinking, that was so easy. I could have done this 120 blocks ago. <laughs> it was so humiliating because I'm feeling, you know, feeling kind of embarrassed that I don't know what it is, but I just get locked up. Is that a man thing, kind of? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't ask for directions. Don't ask for help. You know, just figure it out yourself. I don't know what it is, but I love the fact that Joseph didn't let his ego get in the way. He said, cupbearer, I need you, man. I need you. And I think it's one of the things that will help us through change. When we're encountering something new, we haven't been here before, talk to somebody who has and ask for some help. How do I navigate this? Ask for help if you just want someone to listen so you can just sort of vent. You know how a lot of people think out loud and it just really helps to just kind of get all that jumbled mess out in a sentence and it kind of goes, oh, it's not as bad as I thought. Ask for a listener. Ask for a counselor. Ask for help. If you've made a commitment to start meeting with someone or to be part of a group, follow through. Stick with it. Don't go back to the independent solo routine. Don't try to go it alone. Thank you, Joseph. And finally, take heart. God has not forgotten you. (laughs) That verse doesn't really help prove that, does it? (laughs) Have you noticed? It's just the opposite. But you have to read the rest of Joseph's life to see that God did not forget him. God did not forget him. God did not forget. God did not forget. Short-term memory by the cupbearer was not handcuffs for the Lord. Now, I don't know if the cupbearer did that willfully or accidentally. But I, I I can bet you God was behind it. Don't tell Pharaoh about Joseph. Not that it was that, you know, um, outward, but, but you have to believe if God is truly sovereign over all, he controls the elements, he can move the hearts of men like a river of water anywhere he wants it to go, he could have dropped that memory right back in the cupbearer's mind, but somehow it just slipped his mind. I have to believe God was behind that. 
Why? Because he had an agenda for Joseph. He was pulling him out of his childishness into maturity. Because he had an assignment for him that would require incredible faith, incredible trust, down the road that he did not yet possess. These are the things that we don't like about God, right? Adrian shared it this morning. But I have nowhere else to go. What am I going to do about that? Fix him? It's not going to happen. So we have to be accepting of our assignment. And then also that I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has not forgotten me. Even though it feels like I've been abandoned and I'm stuck in the mud, I'm not going anywhere. We have to believe God has not forgotten us. Sometimes change um, is confusing. It's important, though, that we don't draw conclusions based on short-term windows of time. Well, that prayer hasn't been answered. I guess God doesn't want to. Well, give him more time. Well, I guess I, I thought I heard the Lord, but I went this way and everything just blew up. Well, give it time. Just give it time. You don't have to just give up all uh, the, the moment something seems to go backwards. God does have a plan. He does have a purpose. He has not forgotten you and I. It's time for change. But it's always time for change. It tends to go in seasons where it'll speed up a lot faster and slow down in others. I like that about God. I call them seasons of grace. You know, he gives us the grace to run at times and seasons to rest. Grace to run, grace to rest. But the fact is God still wants you and I to grow, to become the whole person that we were meant to be. And I just want to make sure, this is a little aside, you know, we talk and sing a lot about giving God praise, trusting him. You're my savior, you're my rock. I want to build my life around you. That's all nice religious language, but if you don't understand what it means, I don't know, you may just think church is about a feeling you get. But here's what it means. It means that Jesus Christ, literally the Son of God, came as a human being down to earth. He lived his life perfectly, sinlessly, proved that he was God with miracles and sinless, perfect behavior, and then allowed humanity to put him on a cross so that God, the judge of the universe, the one whom we will all face one day, could take our sins, our failings, our imperfections, plant them square in the heart of his son, and kill him. So that the sin itself would die. And along with it, the punishment and all the consequences that we deserved could be transferred onto his own son. And the Bible says if you believe that by faith, you just believe that that's true, and accept it and acknowledge it and say, I'm going to live as if that actually happened. I'm forgiven. I'm a child of God. I'm loved by my Father. I have a hope and a future. All of my failures of the past are wiped away on his ledger. He's got a blank page when he looks at my name. That's what it means to be born again. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's why all these songs make sense. That's why the Bible makes sense. But until you experience that personally, It'll just be kind of a religious feeling that sort of feels holy and good and loving, but you'll go home and feel just as guilty and lost and broken and confused as before. You need to determine in your heart, Jesus, I accept you as my master and my king, my Lord and my Savior. Take over from here. That's what it means to give your life to Christ. And then wait and see what God does. See what happens when the Holy Spirit enters into you because the Bible promises that will occur. The minute you receive Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in. And it's different for everybody. 
You may not get the jitters. You may not cry. You may not jump for joy. You might just have a very mellow week ahead of you, but you start noticing, I am different. Wow. And it could be all kinds of things that will happen. Like, I'm, I'm not afraid of the future anymore. I'm not afraid of dying anymore. I, suddenly, I'm nice. I didn't used to be nice. There's all, all kinds of manifestations of the Holy Spirit. But if you pay attention... And if you start reading your Bible and talking to other Christians and finding out, you know, okay, how do you gauge what's God and what's not? You will have evidence, proof, undeniable that Jesus is real and he's still alive today. So if you've never prayed that prayer, I'm the kind of person, I like to process these things. And uh, at the same time, I know there are moments when God is moving where we need to ask for a response. So I'm going to give you either option. If you want to respond right now, I will pray with you. If you want to go home and process, talk with somebody, do a little reading, I really recommend you do that because it's got to be a real decision. It's got to be yours. It's got to be authentic. We don't want pressured Christianity. That doesn't do anybody any good. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the life of Joseph. We thank you for his example of handling change. We thank you, Lord God, just for the encouragement, the reminders that you are the same God today, yesterday, and forever will be. That the, Joseph, or the God Joseph trusted, we can trust as well. So, Lord, we now just put our fears of the future into your hands. We put our disappointments into your hands. If you're doing this right now, just make a motion and, and just say, Lord, I'm just giving you my disappointments, my fears. Lord, I'm giving you my guilt and my shame. I'm giving you my, my sense of uh, injustice into your hands, Lord. I haven't been treated fairly. I've been overlooked. Lord, we just give all of these things to you because we know that you are God and you are good. And we just pray, Lord, that you give us the patience and the faith to watch and wait and watch and wait until we see you move again, because we know you will. This is not the end. And if you wouldn't mind closing your eyes, I I just want to make an offer to anybody who feels like right now is the time I need to give my life to Jesus. And you can do that simply by raising your hand, because that's just a movement on your part that says, I'm going to let Pastor Alex acknowledge. I'm going to let somebody see. I'm going to humble myself and just let somebody know I'm making that move today. And if that's you, I would love to see your hand go up if you're ready today. And if you're not, please continue to think and pray and talk to friends. But if you are, we can get you started in a nice, safe, relaxed, but serious way forward. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Father God, thank you, Lord, for these men and women who just courageously stepped up. Lord, I pray that your spirit right now would just pour into them in a fresh and real way with a sense of forgiveness, a sense of peace, a sense of hope, and a sense of your love for them. Manifest your glory, your presence in their lives right now, Father. And give them simple, practical steps forward so that they can nurture this new relationship that they have with you. Invest in it and grow in it, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. And the church said? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, if you raised your hand this morning, and if that was a recommitment for the first time ever, um, I'd still love to talk with you just for a couple of seconds, at least point you in a direction, introduce you to some other folks if you don't have them already, and uh, let's get you started on this brand new walk with Christ. All right? Come and see me afterwards. God bless you, the rest of you, and we'll see you next Sunday. Check out that baptismal, too.